Father, we are in your presence. Speak to us. Let your word come to us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for all that you've been doing. Holy Spirit, you are here, moving in our midst. Lord, you are, your presence is real to us. You're doing a work in us, which no man can ignore. No man can neglect this. We cannot ne neglect this. We cannot ignore this. We cannot act as if nothing is happening. Lord, it is very evident, the way you come after us, the way you cleanse us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'll continue your work in us, Father. Fashion us according to your likeness, even as this is the year of purification. Even as you told us and promised us, Lord, we stand on that word. And we ask of you that which you started in us, you'll complete it, Lord, even under the day of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you are closely following the Holy Spirit? Closely following the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, these are terms that, you know, you must get, you, you usually associate with other things. Following and, uh, you must be closely following the Holy Spirit. You know, like, you know, some of you are following people that you love, celebrity, celebrities or events or entities that you don't miss out on anything that person has to say. You'll make sure that you, you give attention and you, you, you respond, yeah? When you follow people, I'm talking about on a social media context, when you follow something, you respond, you engage. I hope you are closely following the Holy Spirit. The church is called to follow the Holy Spirit. We are called to follow the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, are, we are called to be followers of Jesus. Amen? And uh, even as he's taking us through the season of purification, it is very important that we acknowledge, say acknowledge. acknowledge. Tell your neighbor acknowledge. Say acknowledge one more time. Say acknowledge one more time. We must acknowledge the need for this intense process in our lives. Now we can sit through, the, through this process and completely disregard the need for this process. That can be one, one uh, way in which you respond to this. Or you can acknowledge what God is doing and acknowledge the need for the same in your life. You know, I for one have decided, I, I won't acknowledge what the Lord is doing. I was sitting there even as she was praying. I was sitting there and the Lord was just telling me things. He was telling me, you know, he was reminding me of things. He's mindful of the small little things. The things that I thought were okay. I mean, I thought those things were not, God was not mindful of those things. He was not bothered about those things. But the Lord is showing me, I mean, I mean that, is, that is the beautiful part. You know, as you acknowledge the need for this prose, he will show you small little things. You know, which you thought was okay. Like, you know, what's the big deal? And why can't I live like that? I mean, it's, I mean, everybody is doing like that. If these are, these are norms. We're not talking about like, you know, uh, on the face, um, um, sin or like sin when I say, anything that does not please God is sin. You know, whether it is, uh, uh, you know, outright evil or like, you know, you understand what I'm talking about. Huh? That's right. A white lie. So everything that please, does not please God is a sin. And God wants to deal with those things. And, and I'm amazed at the, at the way in which the Lord is showing me things. And see, like, just like Moses, we can, we can tell him, we can give him our excuses. Lord, Lord, I don't think I can. I think I'm, I'm, I'm too old to change now. I'm, I'm too set now to change. Now, some of you think like that. You're too set to change. It's become like second nature to you. 
and you are like giving God the excuse now it's too late for me to change and adapt a different way of living and that is that is outright like she was pointing at that is rebellion that is pride somebody respond please respond god is god is speaking to you and when you when you say that no i can't when god says you can and you say you can't the question is who told you that you can't who told you that you can't god told you i'll be with your mouth i was super i mean fantastic bible study we had on friday and he's brother royce was mentioning very specifically the lord said i will be with your mouth the lord did not say i will be with you but the lord says i will be with your mouth because that is the area of weakness that moses had i'm slow of speech and no i yeah I, i i get tangled in my words and i have a problem i i am a person of stutter stammer huh that that's, he was almost 80 when god is having this conversation with him and he can say i'm 80 now how can i change this has been with me for 80 years eight decades for eight decades this condition of stammer and now you want me to lead your people from this nation out i mean why can't you go find somebody else won't that be better i can stand on the sideline i can do whatever it takes like you know the little things that i want i can do like she said uh the yeah that's right he he said that i can clean the bathrooms i can i can mop the floor i can uh, you know serve the tables but you know see god has seen you for a purpose and if you're avoiding that if you're trying to hide if you're trying to hide that is pride that is pride now i was not planning to say all this but the lord is just telling me some of these things you know and the lord was ministering to me when i was sitting there and if you are resisting the plan of god over your life that is pride and there's no grace in that you cannot obtain the grace of god when you are saying i can't i don't think i have the ability it's not your ability who said it is your ability who said it is your ability if if we all do things on our ability we we are all we all won't even get started by the way and you if you think it is by your ability that you've come so far you you have got it all wrong no you cannot do anything you can do nothing the jesus said you can do nothing without me you can do nothing not speaking to you now one of the things that uh, jesus held against the religious leaders who are the religious leaders of his time who were the, the religious the pharisees and the scribes one of the things that he held against them was they never acknowledged their need for him they knew the scriptures they knew about the coming messiah but when he was right before them they never say never they never acknowledged the need for him they took offense with the fact that oh this this rabbi they, they were okay he's a rabbi this rabbi this new young rabbi who is doing the rounds in the city in the town now he is going and hanging out with the sinners with the tax collectors and uh, you know you know the scum of society the notoriety of society and they took offense with those things that jesus is going and hanging out with them what business does a does a rabbi have what business does a rabbi have in the company of such people they asked they couldn't agree that okay this is if this is how he's going to do it we can't agree to it and jesus told them why they can't agree he told them why the reason why you can't agree to this i'll tell you why i'm i'm going to turn your 
to turn to scripture to that, uh, Luke chapter 5. It is not those who are well who need a physician. Does anybody here go to a doctor just to, unless the doctor is your relative or something. Does anybody here go to a relative just to, yeah, we just came to just say hi. No. You go to, your, to see a doctor because you are either sick or you want to do a checkup. Yeah? So, it says, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is a spiritual principle for your kind information. This is a spiritual, very important spiritual principle. There is no impartation of grace into your life without you acknowledging the need of that grace. It cannot be. I mean, it does not happen. It just can't happen. It doesn't matter who you are with, who you are rubbing shoulders with, or who is laying hands on you. It doesn't matter who is praying for you. There is no impartation of grace coming over your life until and unless you acknowledge the need for that grace to operate in your life. Simple as that. You can send your child to school, but until and unless the child realizes that he needs that education, there is no impartation. You can go waste your money, and end up as nothing. But when the, the child realizes, okay, this is good for me, I better pay attention and learn some things and build my fuse around what I'm learning here, then, you understand, then the impartation happens. Otherwise, it is wasted. So Jesus was addressing the same thing. He, he went about doing the things that he was doing. He went to the sinners. He went to those who were the scum of society. But these Pharisees, they were self-righteous. Self-righteous. Self -righteous. We, we know it all. We got it all right. We don't need this Jesus. We don't need, need his teaching. So what they did, they took offense because he went to the, the sinners. Whereas they were in the same condition, but living a life of pretense. Say pretense. You can live, live a life of pretense. It is possible for a human being to live a life of pretense and look good on the outside. That's why, what did Jesus call them? Whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs. There is no life on the inside. From the outside, you're all whitewashed. But there is no life on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, it's possible even today in the church also to live as whitewashed tombs. Whether, without acknowledging the need of the Savior. Hello, somebody come with me this morning. Tell your neighbor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I know that. I need him. You know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we all must feel guilty and we must be shameful like the unsaved sinners. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to be on a guilt trip. Praise God we are not guilty anymore. Amen. Praise God that we don't have to be ashamed anymore. Amen. Why? Because the blood of Christ has washed us, cleansed us, made us righteous. We have a right standing with God. But that does not cancel out the, the need of God in your life. That does not put an end to the need of the Savior in your life. You still need the Holy Spirit every single day. Why do you think Jesus said, it is better that I go away? He accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish. He was about to accomplish and he knew that he, he will accomplish it. But he said, it is better that I go away. Why? Why is that? So that I can send you the helper. Amen. You need the helper. I mean, don't let anybody deceive you. You need the helper, the Holy Spirit. The ever-abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. The counsel of the Holy Spirit. The counsel of His Word coming to you every single day. And if you're going to neglect the power, the cleansing power of God's Word, 
on any given day you you have missed out you have missed out you have not got it right god does not want you to miss out say acknowledge acknowledge lord i need this cleansing i need this word uh, you can come and sit in in church you can come and sit for a bible study you can come and sit for a meeting and still be completely disconnected because you know why you have not acknowledged the need of that grace coming to you you can i'm telling you and and sad to say the church is full of people like that they come into church without acknowledging the need of god's grace we talk a lot of grace but then there's no acknowledgement of the of, of grace of the need of grace hello that's why the bible talks about do not frustrate the grace of god you can frustrate the grace of god do you know that it is possible for a christian to frustrate the grace of god meaning grace will go like this what is going on here i'm here to help but the person is not taking help you can frustrate the the grace of god are you getting this we still need him every day and i i still remember the first time i got baptized in the spirit in the background this song was being sung i need the oh i need the you know that song every hour i need the oh bless me now my savior i come to the i got filled with the holy spirit somebody laid hands i fell on the on the, on the floor filled with the holy spirit start speaking i don't know what happened not speaking tongues but i was i was shivering i i felt the warmth of god i still remember that day like like yesterday it was so real for me i've never experienced anything like that in my life never i remember the song i remember the person who sang it and the way he sang it also I remember the one who laid hands on me. I remember it. I'm talking about 20 years back, 22, 23 years back, 21 years back. Sorry. Say, I need you, Jesus. I need you. No, we need the cleansing, the regular cleansing of His Word. We need the ongoing regeneration, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. On, say, ongoing. the work of the holy spirit is ongoing Amen. now we dealt with that for bible study it is it is not that you got filled and then you can live any way you want no it is an ongoing work you acknowledge not just you don't just go around and say i have the holy spirit in me i have no that's not acknowledging the holy spirit you saying that you have the holy spirit in you is not how you acknowledge him i i getting this and we can all say that yeah i i was a christian from the day i got saved i have i have the holy spirit that is not how you acknowledge the holy spirit you acknowledge the holy spirit by listening to him giving heed to him asking him things seeking his counsel now you engage in conversations with him all the time it is possible for you to live your life without even talking to the holy spirit see i see listen you have next door neighbors you have not met probably yes i have lived in such such places the the certain phase of my life i lived and i have never met the next door neighbor ever never i'm telling you i don't know their names i don't know their family i don't know anything about them but you just live right opposite like right across the wall the, the you share the same wall by the way the same wall you can hear their conversations muffled 
You can, you can hear their, all the, 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 the hubbub and all. You can hear all that, but you've never met them. And you don't know how they look, except maybe for one person who, who you see in the morning. That's it. But there are more people inside. You have not even met them. It is possible to live like that with the Holy Spirit. He can live inside of you and you can know nothing about Him. And that is where, this is where, because you know, the Holy Spirit cannot do anything without you acknowledging your need for Him. He cannot, He, he is not like, that's not His nature. That's not God's nature to show up without being acknowledged. He's God. You, you want God to show up, He has to be acknowledged as God. You want the Holy Spirit to show up and say things to you and engage in conversations with you, you got to show up. You, you, you got to acknowledge Him. You got to acknowledge Him. In acknowledging the need of the Holy Spirit who was given to us as a helper. Say helper. I, I, I have not yet, I'm telling you the truth, I have not yet completely understood the gravity of this word, this name that he put on himself, helper. Holy Spirit is saying helper. I mean, today we, we, the maid that comes to a house is our helper. The gardener is our helper. The driver is our helper. The Holy Spirit says, I am your helper. Helper. I mean, are we able to understand helper? We must acknowledge the need of his word as daily bread. I like that. The, the allegory that Christ gave when he was teaching them. Daily bread, daily bread. The prayer, the, this is daily bread. God's word is daily bread. You know, one thing that my kids can't handle is hunger. If they're hungry, they can't take it. They'll start, they'll start acting weird. I think most kids are like that. Some kids don't know that they're hungry. Um, but most kids are, they, they act differently. Some, some of my, like I have, I got three. Now one, I will not tell who is who. <laughs> There's one, one of mine, uh, one of my children, this person will demand. The other person will just cry. The other person will just look lost. <laughs> but it's all the same problem, hunger. Especially on a Sunday. My, my, my children say that they are persecuted on Sundays. Persecution. Because they have lunch only by 4, four o'clock. It's a daily bread. We need that bread. Daily. If you do not feel the need for Jesus, you will not be able to give heed to him. If you don't feel the need for Jesus today, you will not be able to give heed to him. You miss out on hearing him. That's the problem. I mean, as simple as that. I mean, why can't you hear from God? Because you never felt the need for him. You never acknowledged the need for God. You can't hear God if you don't acknowledge his need. The need for him. Sorry. Yeah. The obvious truth is that we need him. We need his word more than ever. Oh, say more than ever. We need God's word more than ever. The kind of things that they are trying to establish as standards today, the kind of things that are pushing the agenda that is at work, the corruption that is in the world today. I mean, it is unimaginable. Unimaginable. 
Now this week, you know, I just, I, I just saw a random, what do you call it, uh, status. A random status by a preschool teacher. This person was knowingly or unknowingly, but openly supporting the pride movement. The LGBTQ movement. Who are you talking about? A preschool teacher. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with today. We need God's word more than ever. If you let go of this, you are in big trouble, I'm telling you. If you let go of the word, if you let go of the standard, we are in big trouble. We need the Holy Spirit more than when we first believed. Do you know that? You need the Holy Spirit more, much more than when you first believed. Now we were looking at that passage and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you from you know, what we were sharing. Uh, let's go back to that passage. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Then all the Israelites, verse 1, then all the, Israel, the, sorry, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and they said to him, Behold, you have grown old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. Say like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now we were looking at the, at the folly of Israelites when they demanded a king. And I was trying to dissect for you, what exactly is this, this thing that displeased God? They said, give us a king. What's so wrong about it? Some of you are like wondering, what's so wrong about it? And we asked that question. And today when a standard is being placed before you, you ask, what's so wrong about it? In what I'm doing, in what I'm demanding. And we must understand, to look at, we must be able to look at these things in the light of God's word. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to dissect, I'm going to continue to dissect this demand, give us a king to judge us like all the nations. And I, I explained to you one of the problems that God found in that was they were trying to have a king whom they can see. They want to see the king, whereas God was their unseen king. They were asking for a king whom they can relate to. Like all the nations, they had a king who they can relate to, who had like, you know, eyes and nose and ears and hair and, and limbs and muscles and all like, just like them, they can relate to that, the king. Whereas in this case, they don't know how God looks like. So they wanted a human king who will go before them and fight their battles. Hello? In making that demand, they were ignoring. What was the problem here? Why, why was God displeased? In making this demand for a human king, they were ignoring the unseen king. And the fact of the matter is, this unseen king was always with them. This unseen king always went before them. Are you with me? This unseen king always fought their battles. This unseen king always drove out their enemies from before them. Always. Never failed. He has never failed. Right from the day they were brought out of Egypt till this day when they demand for a king, 
This unseen king has never failed them. And look at what, look at what God told Samuel in verse 8. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you. In their walk with the Lord many years, say many years, they've been, see this people, this, this people of God, they've been walking with God for many years. 40 years in the wilderness, Exodus. And then all the number of years, the decades that went by, the judges were ruling them in the promised land. Are you getting this? Look at the, you must understand the context here. They were walking with God through the wilderness, 40 years, plus all the number of decades. I didn't, I didn't count the exact number of years, but it is a, a long period of time. So they have been with this God for a while now. But they have not changed much. That's why God had a problem with them. They've, they've lived long with God. They've walked long enough with, with this God. But they have not changed much. See, when Samuel was displeased, when they said, give us a king, and Samuel prayed to God and said, I don't like this God. I don't like this. They're asking for a king. He took offense probably because when he was appointed as a, a judge over them, they're demanding for a king. But God told them, it's not about you, Samuel. It's about them rejecting me. And then he said, they've always been like this. You only know the history for say, X number of years. But I know them from the time that I brought them out of Egypt. You've been walking with God. Maybe I know you for the past, I don't know how many years, three years, four years, ten years. But there's a God above who knows you. From the time that you were born, even before you were born. From, right from the time you were formed. Even before that. That's right, even before the foundation of the world were laid. God knows you. And then you were born and you started walking. On this earth. What does God have to say about you? Will God have something like this against you? That you have not changed much? After having met with Jesus, you come out of Egypt now come out of the slavery of sin and you walked with him for a while now, can this be held against you that you have not changed much? Look at that. God told Samuel, don't worry about this. You don't feel, take the offense now. They are offending me. They have rejected me. And from the time that I have taken them, taken them out of Egypt till today, they have rejected me. They have gone after the wrong things. Hello? Are you getting the gravity of this? If you're wondering why God took offense with this, if you think why this is a big deal for God, this is why. Because they have not changed. They have seen the miracles. They have seen the signs. They have seen the wonders. They have seen food dropping from heaven. They have seen water spotting before them. They have seen their shoes never wearing out. They have seen the, the plagues come over their enemies. They have seen everything. And you have seen everything in your lives. You have seen miracles. You have seen the provision of God. You have seen signs and wonders. You have had prayers answered. Haven't you? Haven't you? And will God say this about you that you have not changed much? You're still the same. Do you still have those traits which you had before you came out of Egypt? Are you with me? See, we are, see, we are say purification. This is purification. You better, you better submit to this word. 
If you want to come out of this clean, you better submit to this word. If you don't like this, then you are not going to benefit. It's not about me. If it's not about you rejecting my words. You know, just like God told Samuel, God is telling me, it's not you that you are, they are rejecting, if you are rejecting my words. Because God wants to cleanse you. He wants to purge you. Oh, I've been a Christian for so many years. I've been to church, you know, from the time I was so small. You know, I've, I've always been serving in the church. So what? Are you still the same? The, still the same traits, the same nature, the same arrogance, the same pride. Then we got to change. What do you think? Isn't it obvious that we need to change? Hello. Let's flow with me. Grace. Say grace. We are going to do this by grace. Not by our strength. In that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So God is telling that. They have forsaken me. They have served other gods. I was their God. They cried out to me. I brought them out of Egypt. But they are serving other gods. See, the, one of the biggest problems that man has, whether in the church, whether in the world, is this lack of loyalty. Lack of loyalty. That's why families fall apart. That's why businesses fall apart. That's why friendships fall apart. That's why churches fall apart. Lack of loyalty. Because we just want, ah, oh, oh, that's good. Oh, this is good. And you're always constantly on the move. In different directions. But God told you to walk like this. But you want to have your own path. And your own direction. Like all the deeds which they have done. Since the day I brought them up from Egypt. So, some, so them asking for a king. Is not a standalone mistake that they committed. It's not just one thing. No. God is. God is bearing witness to Samuel and saying, this people, they were always like this. Always. They served after other gods. They rejected me continually. This has been an age-old problem. Say age-old problem. Transfer down the generations. And I, I tell you, and I want to warn you, parents, I want to warn you, if you are a, if you are a mature ad, uh, adult, okay, in the kingdom, if you are a mature adult in the kingdom, you are responsible for the next generation. You are. In everything that they do. And you, must be, you must be having shaky knees. You know why? More than anything else, you must be having shaky knees because children are watching you. You are imparting your standards to them, whether good or, good or bad. And it's all over the Bible, always in the Bible. A generation that uh, lost interest in God, Gave birth to a generation which never knew God. A generation which was unfaithful to God gave birth to an idolatrous generation. Always. Always. So you must raise your standards. If not for your own sake, for the sake of your children. Just because your child was born to a Christian father and a Christian mother does not do anything to the child. Unless you show them or show him or her the way. You got to show the way to your child. And tell them right from wrong. I hope parents are... See, I mean, one thing that I... I the yes and the no. The yes and the no. 
must be a standard. There is not just the yes, but also your children must know about the no. Your children must know about the no. No, one of the lessons I used to give Dami, I still remember, I tell him, Dami, learn to take no for an answer. Learn to take no for an answer. Because he used to get irritated when I said no. Younger days, now he knows. That no is also a probable answer which can come forth. He's turned 12 today. It's his birthday. Yeah. So there, are, there is a time when you have to say no. And there's a time when you have to say Yes. So these people have always been like this to me. And God specifies it. They have forsaken me and served other gods. And I want you to know that your repeated, say repeated, your repeated affinity to the world exposes your lack of trust in God. And you're repeatedly like you know, showing affinity to, to the world, the things of this world. What is that? It is about your lack of trust in God. Whether you admit it or not, it is an outright rejection of God. It is rejecting God. You're going after the world is a rejection of God. We talked about it for focus. What is that? Friendship with the world is enmity. Say enmity. It is enmity with God. You, if you have an unchecked, say unchecked, an unchecked disposition to the trends of this world, you know what it is? Are you ready for this? If you have an unchecked disposition to the trends of this world, you know what it is? It is idolatry. That's what it is. It is idol worship. You allow that to continue. You allow that to be there. You allow that to remain. It is idol worship. You may call yourself a Christian, but you're a big time idol worshipper. Ouch. Ouch. You're not ready for that. You might call yourself a Christian, but if you are still having these inclinations to the world which are unchecked, which are not prevented, which are not controlled, which are, not, which are being overlooked, you are an idol worshipper. Why do you think the, the Bible warns about idolatry in the in the epistles. Why? You tell me. Why? Why? Why do you think the Bible warns of idolatry in the epistles? No idolater will enter the, inherit the kingdom of heaven. No idolater. Why? Why? Why does, what, what is the need for that to the church? That instruction to the church? Because the church can fall into the peril, into the mistake of idolatry. So if there are unchecked inclinations in your life, you're always on the look out. How are things in the world? How are they doing it in the world? If that's how you're living your life, then I want you to know that is idol worship. That is idol worship. You have many idols. Many idols. And you're living with idols. And you, you expect God to share that space. And you, you are living with idols and you expect God to share that space. Hello? With idols. God Almighty. You want God to be placed like we see, you know, when we go to certain places, there are all gods on the wall. 
all the gods and this will be one of one of those gods on the wall she that is it does not work like that it does not work like that no yeah that's it's like keeping the ark of the covenant with dagon the photo will remain the glory will will go yeah the photo will be there you have so i want to repeat that you have many idols in many idols if you are if you are always looking out in the world that means you have many idols and today that word is used idols is my idol she's my idol hmm yeah and some of those idols are also on the wall your idol is on the wall and you're closely observing the way they live their lives and you're so impressed and you follow the same things whether right or wrong it doesn't matter because that person has become your idol it can be a person it can be a movement it can be a philosophy it can be anything that is driven out in the world which you are giving ear to it becomes an idol see at the foot look at this at the foot of mount sinai what happened the israelites made what happened at the foot of mount sinai say it loud i i'm checking with you just to make sure that i'm right okay they did they made a a golden calf a graven image for what to worship what was that about say idolatry that was an act of idolatry moses went up the mountain to 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 commune with god to have a conversation with god down at the foot of the mountain what's happening idolatry is happening graven image and god dealt with that okay this is right at the beginning of exodus and then years later once they have possessed the promised land what is happening give us a king to be like the the, the nations of this world so why did they make the the graven image to begin with it was like it's about being with the being one with the world we want to be like the world they all have idols they all have graven images but this god that we serve we have not seen him so let's make one into our under based on our imagination so that we can worship this image i with me they demand for a king so they can be like the nations of this world it is the same idolatry in a different format that's why that's why, see i did not say this if you think that i made it up that's what god said they did not change a bit from the time i brought them out of egypt till today they have not changed a bit they always had an affinity for the world how about you from the time you brought were brought out of the chains when you brought out of the the dark kingdom of darkness the domain of hello some of you don't know that do you know that you are brought out of the domain of darkness you didn't know that that's the problem you need to first know that you've been brought out you've been transferred from the domain of darkness and you've been brought in to the kingdom of his beloved son you're talking about marvelous light this is the kingdom of marvelous light you're still looking into the world of darkness searching through the darkness to find something of interest 
That's right. When we do not acknowledge the need of God, need for God and his counsel, it shows that we have put our reliance on something else. We are relying on something else. If you're not acknowledging the need for God, you're relying on... You already know that? If you're not acknowledging the need for God in your life and the need for God's word in your life, oh, I don't need to attend Bible study. I've been a Christian so long. I have my personal study of God's word. They're doing it every Friday in, in church, but I don't need it. Reliance on the self. It's idolatry for your kind information. Oh, I don't need no fellowship. I can manage things on my own. I don't need anybody's prayer. I don't need any counsel. I can do things on my own. Idolatry. I'm telling you that's idolatry. You don't know it, but it is idolatry. No, when, when we want to be the, our own gods, when we want to have our own standards, when we want to follow our own inclinations, our own rights, When the days between the two Sundays are more important to you than the Sunday itself. Idolatry. You didn't know that? Oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not free. I'm not free through the week. But Sundays I'm free. For what? To just chill. Idolatry. Big time. Big time. Because you've rejected God and the standards of God and you're embracing a system of this world. You don't have to like me for this. Man, but get your thinking right. It'll help you. Amen. I have my reward from God. I'm, I'm happy with that. So, see, see, worrying, see, worrying sign. There are these certain signs, okay? When we don't acknowledge the need for God and we put our reliance on, our, reliance on other things, it's a worrying sign. An early symptom, like they say. Early symptom. If you don't Check on it. You're in danger. Don't neglect early symptoms of spiritual slackness and degeneration. Don't neglect it. Watch out. Say watch out. If it's a repeated pattern in your life, watch out. It must be dealt with. <laughs> I would like to ask, when is the last time you cried before God? Cried because God just convicted you of something which was not supposed to be done. And you just cried at the mercy of God which corrected you. When is the last time? Can you remember? Can you remember the last time you cried at the feet of Jesus because he corrected you in mercy? You can't remember. You know why? Because you have not acknowledged the need of this physician who came to help you because you are sick. You are sick. It is the sick who needs a physician. See, the, the church, I, I want to encourage you, the church must deal with such signs. Your home, your Christian home, your family, in your family, deal with such signs of spiritual degeneration. Deal with it. Don't wait till your, your child grows up to be a, a mature adult, 25 years old, and then you deal with issues in his life or her life. No. Start when you can. The, see, the, the, the kingdom, the domain of darkness is starting young. They're catching them young. They're catching them young. They're teaching homosexuality in kindergarten. Do you know that? And what are you doing? Just being, just being so stupid and dumb in the way you raise your children. There's no check on what they're doing, what they're watching, what they're seeing, what they're talking. 
That's right. One, oh, thanks for reminding me that. One slogan, for those of you who don't know, okay? One slogan that is raised in this pride march. We are coming after your children. And they are, by the way. I told you. Now what I told you earlier about the preschool teacher, it happened here. Not in the US. Here. Right under our nose. I don't know whether it is intentional, but I just know that it is obvious. So what are you going to do? As a Christian, what are you going to do? You are responsible for your circle. Shaila, you are responsible for your children in your class or in your domain. You are a teacher. You're going to just keep quiet and act like, okay, if I offend them, then... No, you have to shine your light. Where God has, God has raised you up in that place to shine the light of Christ. Not for anything else. If not, just go home and, you know, just chill. Why you want to go for work? Your workplace, your domain that God has blessed you with, whether it is your work, your line of work, your, your marketplace, your business, whatever it is, it is given to you to shine your light, to establish the kingdom of God in that place. If you can't, quit your job and do something else. Something worthwhile. People come to me and say, oh, but we just don't get time for God. I said, okay, resign. If you don't get time for God in the job that you're in, resign. Yeah. What's, what's, so, what's so confusing about it? If you don't get time for God in whatever you're doing, that's not for you. Obvious. Yeah, 100%. A simple decision. You know, they told me I need to work on Sundays. I'm talking about not now, early days when I, I was... After from college, I got a job and they said, I need to work on Sundays. I said, I don't need your job. Simple. It was not confusing for me. I didn't, I didn't go after counselors. I didn't run from pillar to post. What should I do now? Can you pray that they will change the rule? No. You have to work on Sundays. Before, they, before I joined, I asked them. So what are, when are my working days? Uh, we can't tell you. We probably might have to work on Sundays. I said, okay. They gave me the, the paper to sign. I said, I'm not signing. I'm going back. must be a standard. I, I'm telling you, I never struggled with it. I have never struggled with any of these things. I don't know what they're talking about. I've never struggled with any of the commitments that I've made before God. It has never been a struggle. Why? Because you're, you're going under the grace of God. You're running on a different system altogether. You, you, you're not, see, it is not uh, the MNC that is paying my bills. God is paying my bills. Yeah. Uh, it, it is not the MNC that is bringing food on my table. God brings food on my table. And every goodness that I've received is from God. From God, not from man. And why should I be loyal to man? Why should I be loyal to man? And a man cannot do anything to me. God is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Man, whom shall I be afraid? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm not. I'm not afraid of anything. standards today we are diluting those standards diluting those standards oh see the thing is the world is pushing its standards so if you're not going to push back 
those, those things will become the standards that we embrace. Before you know it, see, the reason why the church is being, like, you know, really pushed is because the church allowed it. It is not God restricting the church. God will never restrict the church. The church never relied. In the areas that now the church is finding it difficult, those are the areas, except for persecution I'm talking about. The areas that the, the church is struggling with, those are the areas where the church compromised. And they said, oh, close the church. Keep it closed. Oh, okay, we'll close. Who said close the church? Did God ask you to close the church? No, they asked you to close the church. Now we close the church. Now how, what are you going to do about it? You're going to struggle. Why? Because you followed the voice of man and not the voice of God. Simple. You come to that place where the world is not worthy of us. Amen. The world is not worthy of you. Yes. Understand that. The world is not worthy of you. Say, so listen, listen. Tell your neighbor, listen. Get serious about this. Get very serious about this. God does not play games. God does not play games. I told you last week also. He is not up there sitting with a joystick and just playing games with you. No, he is not. The devil does not play games. If you think the devil is also playing games. No, he does not play games. He is very serious. You understand? They are very well organized. The kingdom of darkness is well organized. Jesus told about it. The kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. He was just telling the way they operate. They're not divided. They are very united. Well organized. So they don't play games. The devil and his comrades does not play. They don't, sorry, they don't play games. We must also not play games. Then why are you playing games? Why are you playing games with these things? It's just, just loosening the standards, loosening the standards, lightening the, the standards. Why? Why are we doing it? You give me a reason for that. Who are you afraid of? If you truly believe that God is on our side, then who are we afraid of? Why must we lower the standards that God has asked us to keep? Why is there the church can't seem to understand how serious this is? This is so serious. Hello? This is very serious. See, it's always been, listen to this closely, okay? It has always been, always, always, always. From the time it started, it's always been about separation from the world. Always. Always. From the time God prescribed His law, gave us His law, it has always been about, say, separation. It's about division. God and His word is about Separation and divide, say dividing. dividing. What? What kind of division? The thoughts and intentions of man. Ah, bone and marrow. That's how fine this is. That's how well it can divide things. Now, why are we living like everything is gray? Everything is gray. Yeah. With, with, your, eye, with your spectacles, whatever you look at is, oh, it's debatable. That goes. No. God and His Word divides, it divides, separates, it separates. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 51? Luke chapter 12 and verse 51. 
This is important for you to understand, okay? How, do you think that I came to bring peace to earth? Who is talking? The Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace is talking and saying, do you think that I came to give peace, bring peace to this earth? No, indeed. I came to make people choose. What does it say? Uh, uh, no, I tell you, but rather division. You know, the contemporary English version, I love it. Do you think that I came to bring peace to earth? No, indeed. I came to make people choose sides. Jesus came to make you choose? You cannot be on both sides like this. You have to be on one side. Either one side. Not either or. You have to be on one side. I want to read from Matthew chapter 13. 47 onwards. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, said dragnet, cast into the sea. Say, what does the sea? What does sea signify? Say, the people, say people. Multitude, okay? Whenever you see the word sea in the Bible, it's most, most of the times it signifies people. The book of Revelation, sea, multitudes, yeah? So, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. And gathering fish of every kind. Say every kind. We have every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach. And they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers. Containers. But the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. And will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does this parable teach us? Don't say, it teaches us fishing. No. <laughs> That's right. It teaches us separation. So the, it, it, it's very clear. This, this parable is so clear. And it talks about the end of the time. It, it, it talks about... Um, it, he, even, he even interprets it. He says, the angels will come forth at the end of the age and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. True believers in the church will be separated from? Separatenders. Separatenders. I want you to know there are pretenders in the, in the church. There are pretenders in the church. The Bible talks about it. You can read through the epistles. It talks about in the last days, they will come in. They'll come in. They'll creep in. Uh, it talks about creeping in. And they'll creep in. And they take, take uh, uh, you know, places within you, amongst you, and try to influence you. It talks about uh, wolf in, in, in sheep's clothing. It'll deceive you. They will deceive you. It talks about all that. I'm talking about the New Testament. New Testament, not Old Testament, New Testament. So there will be a separation of true believers from the mere pretenders who are also in the church. By the way, in my observation, the most pretentious people are found inside the church. Yeah. Because the devil wants to deceive people in the church. The most pretentious people on earth are found inside the church. So this, why am I, ah, sorry, when? The greatest actors. 
as classic the <laughs> the greatest actors in the world are in the church now why do you, why do you think i should tell you this so that you will not come to me later and say we got offended we got we got uh, hurt we got hurt by those people what all are they doing they pretend like this one day and the next day they pretend like pretending like pretending like something else they are living two timers they are living in two standards double standards so on and so forth you must know that yes in the church there are pretenders the most pretentious people great actors in the church your benchmark is not somebody in the church your benchmark is jesus christ amen and if you are in the church it is to establish a standard so if there are pretenders who are refusing to change they will leave let them go i don't feel sad about that there's no place for pretenders in the kingdom simple as that because anyway at the end of the age they're going to be chucked into the yeah they'll be thrown away only the real ones are going to be co- co- collected in containers say containers in my father's house there are many say containers say mansions you're either made for containers like that or you're made to be thrown in the furnace of fire so even inside the church there are both good fish and what so what is a dragnet by the way for you for those of you who have not understood the dragnet dragnet is i was just reading it up dragnet is a, is a net which is weighted they attach weights and they cast it usually they cast it uh, i think between two boats yeah and then uh, you know they drag it yeah As people who are interested in fishing like very expressive now <laughs> david so they drag it and they drag it to the shore and when they drag it the net will be full of yeah so that's a dragnet and this okay by the way this net is dragged not peripherally over the water it is dragged deep that's why it's weighted so it can go down the 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 sea floor all the way down as as deep as possible and get as much as fish in the net that's a dragnet so gospel listen that's how the gospel works the gospel has the ability to attract people of all kinds not everyone who listens to the gospel like we heard on bible for bible study not everyone who listens to the gospel truly understands the power of god unto salvation don't think by don't think that just because they heard the gospel they truly understood or they've truly committed or submitted to the power of god unto salvation the gospel is the power of god unto salvation but unless the person responds right it cannot be the power of god unto salvation See, some are interested in the uniqueness of the message. Do you know that your, the gospel is a very unique message? It's a very unique message. A man coming, God becoming man and coming to this earth and dying on the cross with open arms, arms wide stretch. It's a very unique message. So people are interested in the uniqueness of the message. People are interested. People can be interested because of the, uh, the demonstration of love. The miracles, that's right. The blessings. People can be drawn by the, the blessings involved in this. which are attached to this message we talk about the blessings which are all good things nothing wrong about it some are interested in the um, the hope that it gives a broken person hears the gospel it, it gives hope 
does not necessarily mean that he has truly understood the depths of the gospel. Hello? Are you getting this? Some are just interested in the blessings. See, the partial understanding of the gospel, it can even be because of the partial presentation of the gospel. That also is that. Sometimes we dilute the gospel. And we are to be blamed for diluting the gospel. Or we just tell them the gospel and let them be. We never disciple the person. God did not ask you to make believers. God asked you to, Jesus asked you to. You didn't know that. We all thought it is all about making believers. No, it's about making disciples. Discipleship is the most important thing in the Christian life. Amen. The most important thing. Well, three people said amen. You must understand, the most important thing in a Christian life is discipleship. So the, throw the net. Throw it deep and drag it. Dragged on to the, 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 the beach. One day, once it is sorted, only then you will know which were the good fish and which were the bad fish. Just because you see the person in the church regularly does not make him a good fish. A tree is known by its fruit. A good tree will bear good fruit. So watch out for the say fruit. Always watch the fruit. The fruit. The net of evangelism thrown far and wide. But there is a day the sorting will start. And the Lord is doing that sorting even now. I'm telling you, even now the, the process has already started. The, the standards are being established with regards to that sorting. That's why today, now listen. That has been very clear. I mean, there is no confusion. I've told you this before also. The Lord is into distinction. I will bring about a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Then he said, I will also bring about a distinction, distinction between those who serve me and those who do not. It's, it's been very clear. And you have seen that, especially in the, the recent years. A very clear distinction. And when did God tell, tell us this? In 2020, when nobody thought COVID was going to hit. Was there a distinction? Yes, there was. And you thought it was just about that year. No, it is not just about that year. It's an ongoing, say ongoing. Ongoing distinction that God is going to bring about. Ongoing. Separation. The filtering. The filtering. The sorting. The one, one advice, I think, I think I've told you this. One advice my, my pastor gave when I started the church. He said, use this as the filter. You, if you can use the word of God as the filter, things will go well. Don't try to keep any other filter. Preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. It will act as a filter. Those who are supposed to come in will come in. Those who are supposed to go out will go out. It's about the word. Simple standard. Simple standard. Stick to it. Stick to it. It's a sorting. The time to throw the bad fish away is at hand. The time to throw the bad fish away is at And I want you to think about this. A dragnet full of fish. What does that signify? The so-called church. And from the so-called church, there is going to be a sorting. Yeah? We're not talking about the rest of the fish which never caught, get caught. That is anyway in the, in the sea. 
but the fish that got caught got dragged onto the beach yeah i'm talking about the so called church and then the sorting happens are you have you never thought about it oh so there is a sorting in the church you don't know that yes there is there is a sorting in the church feel it say feel it i want to feel this there is a sorting in the church where god will separate the good fish and the bad fish and the good will be collected in the containers and the bad will be thrown away yes there will be why because not all the fish which sit inside the church is converted or truly converted or being transformed according to the likeness of christ no so i think it is um, renard bonke is it renard bonke i don't know whether i'm using the uh, the right uh, illustration but he said you cannot be a christian just because you come to church if that was so then you know just if something is kept inside the garage will make that thing a car getting it just because you are inside the church does not make you a christian if that was so anything that was kept in the garage will become a car does that turn into a car you 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 put a uh, a cycle in the in the garage will it become a car no so keeping something inside is not what what it takes what it takes is god's word at work yeah the work the work of the word the word the word the word the word is transforming take this seriously we cannot be drawn to a different standard we cannot be we cannot crave after a different standard we cannot demand like the israelites give us a king like the nations of this world give us a different system we want to experience the world that is idolatry raise your standards high and the the thing is they told samuel you are too old who said who said who said that samuel is too old she's too old meaning they were saying that he is not fit for he is not fit for the work that god has called him to you are too old now let's turn to romans chapter 12 and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of god is that which is good and acceptable and perfect so you cannot prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of god until and unless you renew your mind if you're conformed to the pattern of this world you cannot prove god's will in your life god which means if you are going to follow the world god's will cannot come to pass in your life oh why god i mean i don't know nothing is happening in my life god's will I mean, you all say god's will god's will but nothing is happening i'll tell you why because you're conformed to the patterns of this world as long as you have the affinity to the world god's will cannot take place because if you if you are attached to the world god cannot do a work in your life when you detach from the world and attach yourself to god's word see the renewing of the mind must happen you must think differently they said samuel is old who said did god say that he is old no 
They said we, we, we want us a king like the nations of this world. Who said they need a king? The, the world told them, said the world. So the world is telling them things. The world is saying this man is too old. The world is telling them that you need a king. So you're thinking like the world. But you're in the church. Are you getting what I'm saying? You're thinking like the world when you're in the church. You cannot see the, the will of God come to pass in your life. For the will of God to come to pass in your life, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, you need to submit to God's word and get your mind renewed and get transformed into the likeness of that word. Every situation that you go through, every, every situation that you face in life, if you have an agreement to what the world says about it, then you are missing out. The Christian must have a different viewpoint, a different viewpoint. Do you have a different viewpoint? If your senses are tuned according to the frequencies of this world, your, your, your senses are tuned to the frequencies of this world, you're always listening to the, the frequencies of this world, that captures your attention. Then you can't receive from God. Why? Because you're tuned in. If you're, like, you know, you see the tuner, right, in, the, in, a, in a radio, FM radio, you tune into a, a station. When you are tuned into a certain frequency, it cannot catch any communication from other stations. Likewise, if your senses are tuned to the world station, then it cannot catch anything from the word station. Are you getting this? Yeah, because you're, you're full of the world. You're trying to get, get what the world says. You are you're entertaining yourself with the world information, the world, uh, like all the things that are coming from the world. You're tuning your ear for that. What happens? You're missing out on what God is saying. And you go by what the world says. World radio. What about the word radio? If your thinking is shaped by the world, you will end up living against the word of God. Do you know that? If you're thinking like the world, if you're thinking like the world, you will not live like how God wants you to live. The thing is, we, we, I mean, we are easily distracted to God's word. Easily distracted to God's word. And I was thinking, when, when, and when uh, Nisha was ministering this morning, I was thinking, I, know, I used to be a big time movie buff, okay? I've watched a lot of movies, okay? I, I used to love going to the, the, the cinemas. And one rule that I used to follow when, in those days, when I used to watch movies like that, in the cinemas, one rule is, I will never go to a movie theater late. Very strict about it. Yeah, if I'm late, I will not, I will, I'll wait for the next show. I will not get in because I want to watch the movie from the start. So that is how committed you are to the systems of this world. You don't want to miss out on anything. But from the word comes, you know, you are like, it doesn't matter. You miss out, uh, like, you know, little, little there, little from the top. It's okay. I'm still, anyway, I'm going to be there. And once you are here, you're distracted. Your mind is like, you know, driven around. Like you're all over the place. How serious are you about the word? The word is what can change you. The word is what can preserve you and keep you. On the day of reckoning, you will be blameless only by the word. You must understand the seriousness of this. If you're losing your ear to listening to God's word, you have to change. You must do something about it. 
I will not, I mean, again, going back to the cinemas, I will not allow anybody to talk to me when I'm watching a cinema, when I'm watching a movie. No, I don't want anybody to talk to me. I want to make sure that I get the best seat. The best seat, get the best view, the best experience. You know why? Because I want to enjoy. My senses must enjoy every bit of this package of entertainment. But now, we are all in the, in, in, in the kingdom of God. Why is it that we don't follow these standards? We easily fall asleep when God's word is being preached. When you know, we, 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 like, you know, we don't mind getting distracted. You know, when you're having the quiet time, you don't mind the phone ringing and answering the call. You don't mind that. Why? Why? You're, you're being, you're getting conformed to the world. You're getting conformed to the world. You must not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You must be transformed. How can you be transformed? By renewing your mind. Your thinking, say thinking. Your thinking must change. Your thinking must change. Tell your neighbor that your thinking must change. If you think like the world, it has to change. It has to change. The only way God's will can come to pass in your life is when you're transformed at the renewing of your mind and that does not happen merely by... No. I'm listening to a lot of word. I remember one time I was talking to somebody, I was saying, you know, you must need to come to church more regularly and get discipled. No, I'm listening to a lot of word. You know, I, I, I'm listening to it all the time. I'm listening to it when I'm doing my treadmill. I'm listening to it when I'm, you know, walk, going for a walk. Good. But just because you listen to God's word does not do anything to you. But it must start there, listening to God's word. Yes, it must start there. But your interaction with the word must become more than just an intellectual exercise. How, how are you interacting with the word? Is it just an intellectual exercise? As a child, you, I, I believe that you all read your Bible. You read your Bibles? Yeah? It must be more than just learning, by hearting the word. You must buy hard the word. We, we encourage our children to buy hard the word. We encourage our children to buy hard the word. But your interaction with the word must be more than just intellectual. The word must become everything. Say everything. It must be, his counsel must become undisputed. Say undisputed. Oh. If, you're, if God's word, if God's counsel to you can become undisputed in your mind, you have no idea. You have, you are going to live a life with, with no boundaries. Limitless is your possibility. I'm telling you. If you can, if God's word becomes undisputed in your mind and in your thinking, limitless is your possibility. We limit ourselves because we have disputes about God's word. We have doubts. Oh, that's what the pastor says. That's what the Bible teacher says. That's what the, the Sunday school teachers teaches. No, it is what God's word says. If you can't dispute, if you will not dispute it, it will prove itself true in your life. It's 
So what happens when you when you read the word through the day? Let's say you gave yourself to meditating God's word. What happens through the day? Do you find yourself aligning your thoughts with with God's word, or do you find yourself agreeing to the world? Morning you read the Bible, okay. So what? You Sunday you heard the message, very good. So what? So do you find yourself agreeing to God's word, or do you see yourself agreeing to the world? That's why I said it has to renew your mind. The word must come to you, must renew your mind. Apply the word. Apply the word. Apply the word. Not just listen to the word. Apply the word. Put it up. Put it into practice. Then you will prove the acceptable will of God, the good, the acceptable will of God, the perfect will of God. The word. Raise the standard of God's word. Now, when you teach your children, tell them this works. Even if nothing else works, this works. Your the word of God will work. Amen. Teach them to prove it. Teach them to to go by faith in God's word. In every matter, a Christian must have a different viewpoint. Every matter, every matter under the sun, you must have a different viewpoint. You know why? You don't agree with the world. You agree with God's word. Every matter under the sun, you must have a different viewpoint. Whether it's about uh, water boiling, or rain falling, or yeah, politics, sports, health, you must have a different viewpoint based on God's word because the Bible talks about everything. If you're going to go by everything that the world tells you, throws at you, ah, that's right. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, this is like that. This must be surely like this because we have we have numbers proving it. That's your problem. You're going by numbers, not by going by God's word. Oh, he is 80 now. Talking about Samuel, he's quite old now. Numbers. He can't handle it anymore. That's the problem. You are going by what the world tells you. Change the way you think. Renew your mind. Get transformed. Get transformed. Get transformed. I'm telling you, get transformed. James one twenty one. Can you put it up on the screen? Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted. Oh, the word implanted. Which is able to save your souls. Nothing else is able to save your souls. Yeah, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude. Say delude. You can delude yourself if you're merely a hearer and not a doer of God's word. You're deluding yourself. That's why I said, see, none of these things come to your credit. I've attended every service. I've 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 done. I've been having quiet time every day. I've 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 done so much chapters of reading every day. Does not come to your aid. That does not stand a chance. You must be a doer of God's word. The word must have an effect in your life. It must have an effect in your life. It must change the person that you are. It must change your thinking, change your emotions, change your character, change your personality, change your speech, change your attitude. The word implanted. Putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word. In humility, we've been hearing about it. In humility, you cannot receive the word without humility. 
If you're going to sit there, flint face, you're not going to receive the word. Oh, I've heard this. Ah, Samuel, Samuel, yeah. Saul, king, king, yeah. That's the problem. Humility. You must have humility. Because God might use a donkey to speak to you. The man with the stutter. Moses, man full of stutter and stammer. But they need humility to receive from him. In humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. But if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. The word, you must remember. You must take effort. Be, see, take pains with these things. You must take pains with the hearing of God's word. Take pains. Make it a discipline that you go back and go, do something about it. So that you will not like, you know, you will not be like a, um, a big container with a hole. You received so much, but by the time you reached your home, it's all drained out. And what remains is the world that you experience after that. That can happen. At the end of the week, what remains with you? The world which came to you or the world that came to you? You must introspect. Because it's, we are talking about serious stuff. Serious stuff. There's a separation coming. The bad fish and the good fish. Remember that. So you better stay with what will keep you good and preserve you. What keeps you good? Say word. Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia, the son of a Benj Benjamite, a mighty man of valor. Wow. Samuel is old. But this guy is a mighty man of valor. And he had a son whose name was Saul. A choice and handsome man. A choice. Say handsome. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the sons of Israel. From his shoulders and up, he was taller than any of the people. It's a people's choice. People's choice can be pleasing to your eyes. It's interesting what happened to this character. We look at it next week. This character, soul. They demanded a king. God said, all right, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And gave them one according to their, ah, their parameters. Good looking, handsome, taller from Head, uh, shoulder above. Not a man as handsome as him in the entire. Ah. Now, what happened of him? God, see, and God raised him. It's not that, you know, it was just a people's choice guy. God allowed that to happen and anointed him also. There's an anointing upon this guy. And God established him also, but gave him a word concerning it. We look at all that in the weeks to come. But I'm telling you, if you go by your eyes, if you go by your eyes, 
If you go by your senses, you can fall. Go by God's word. Go by God's word.